You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Danielle Liss. Each week, we will help you unlock the secrets of influencer marketing through interviews with leading professionals and tips and tricks to help you scale your business. Sit back, grab a coffee, and let's talk all things influencer marketing. Hey there, this is Danielle. And this is Jamie. Welcome to episode 48 of the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast. I am so excited for today's interview because we are talking to one of my absolute favorite people in the space, Bjork Ostrom of Food Blogger Pro. You just like food bloggers. I mean, nothing against Bjork because he's awesome, but you have a true love of food bloggers, particularly bakers. (laughs) It's true. I really do. And I'm constantly, when I'm not sending you random pictures of hairless cats on Instagram because they're dressed in funny costumes, I am often sending you random videos of people decorating very beautiful cakes. I'm I'm laughing so hard because it is completely true. Danielle sends me, I can't stop laughing. Danielle actually sends me these insane pictures of hairless cats. They look so angry. I, I just, who thought to put a hairless cat in like a flower pot hat or butterfly wings? My favorite was when you were on your beach vacation and I found the one dressed like a shark. None of this is made up. Oh my (laughs) gosh. I will say though, Instagram is my 100% favorite social media channel. I, I love it. I have so much fun on it. Um, so I actually really very much delight when I get sent a cool cake video. The cats (laughs) scare me a little. My true love cat is your cat. So I can't really cheat on her with anyone else dressed like a shark. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. So one of the big questions, do you like stories or your, I don't even know what to call it anymore. Is it just your stream? Is that what we call it? I'm a story girl. And I was really, I was one of those Snapchat people who was like, I'm never going to Instagram stories. And then I Snapchat was gone within a second for me. And I went to Instagram stories and I I love creating them. I love looking at them. I like interacting with them. They are so much fun. I find them hilarious. I really love them too, because it's often like, I think that people tend to still curate their pictures a lot, but the stories feel like you can really get to know somebody. And I love that aspect of it so much. That's exactly why I love the story. That's why I liked Snapchat originally, because you couldn't really do anything to it. Um, And that's why I I totally agree with you. Stories are so much fun. 
Okay. So tell me who are your, like, let's give two, what are your two favorite Instagram accounts to follow? So one of my favorites is, um, there's a local blog. We've talked about them before. Little Hoboken. They're seriously some of my favorites. They have the best stories. They're just so funny. So they have a really good combination of their own lives, but also all the stuff going around Hoboken. So I learn a crazy amount of events that are happening here and just all kinds of cool stuff. So they are definitely one of my favorites and I really love, and I'm stealing this a little bit from you, Sugar Suckle is a local uh, bakery here. And I know Jen, uh, we both know Jen who runs Sugar Suckle and her stories are hilarious and she has the most beautiful cakes. So I feel like it's a really good combination, but those are definitely two of my favorites for people I know. I do follow some celebrities, not that many. Um, Some of them are really funny, but, but I love seeing those two accounts. How about you? So I think that it's very hard to narrow down my favorite cakes on Instagram because I follow hashtags a lot. Um, and I really like like the time-lapse decorating videos. So I would say that for that, Neurotic Mom is one of my favorites. She's also like a ballerina and a tennis player. She's very busy. And she's like completely self-taught, like only been doing these cakes for a year. And she makes these like amazing, elaborate creations. And I'm like, okay, I want to learn how to do that in a year and just teach myself. Like that seems outstanding. And then my other favorite, which ties in nicely to today's interview is Pinch of Yum. Um, They do a lot of recipe videos and I watch them religiously one time, once, just once. I was able to recreate one of the recipes and it was like a ridiculously proud moment for me. But basically if they have a sponsored post of some kind where they're featuring a product, I'm like, I'm going to go get that product because then maybe it will make me be able to make the thing. I can never make the things, but it's okay. They're they're purely aspirational to me. (laughs) I'm such a bad cook. (laughs) You know, I'm an okay cook. I can't make it look beautiful. There is true art to beautiful food photos uh, and videos and they have it down. They, they're, I love their Instagram as well. I also really like Lisa Lehman's, um, Mm -hmm. her, her jewelry because she's really fun in her stories with just all the, the silly stuff she gets into. But I also like looking at what's coming because then I know what I'm going to spend my money on. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. Well, we've been talking about Instagram and now I'm hungry and want to go watch cake videos to distract myself. So let's talk a little bit about Bjork and then we can jump into the interview. Bjork is the founder of Food Blogger Pro, a membership website that teaches food bloggers how to start, grow, and monetize their blogs. Day to day, you'll see him around WP Tasty, Nutrifox, and Pinch of Yum, as well as hosting the Food Blogger Pro podcast. Bjork lives in Minnesota with his wife, Lindsay, and their dog, Sage, who is so cute. You will see her on their Instagram, and he can usually be found with a coffee in hand. Now let's get to the interview. Bjork, we are so excited to have you on the podcast. I'm going to be the first person to admit I'm a huge fan you know that I love Pinch of Yum, but I'm also so into Food Blogger Pro. I remember vividly when I first started listening to podcasts, I did the obligatory Facebook post of who listens to podcasts? Which ones should I listen to? And a friend said, you need to listen to Food Blogger Pro. And I said, oh, that's awesome. I'm not a food blogger. And she was like, we all know that. But 
you are absolutely going to love it. She was like, and you are just going to love Bjork. And I said, okay. And she was 100% right. And Oh, so, that makes me so happy. Thank you so much. Of yeah. Course. It's it's such a cool thing. Podcasts. I feel like I probably listen to an hour or two of podcasts a day. And it's and it's one of those things where you can like evangelize this general thing. Like, do you know about podcasts? Because it's still it's it's not like radio, right? It's like this thing that not everybody knows about. So I'm I'm so happy to hear that. And we're just honored to have a very small slice of the pie. We use food analogies as much as possible, but <laughs> of the podcast pie to be able to reach people and have conversations. And it's just a great joy to do it and to be on other podcasts as well. So happy to be here. Oh, thank you. So one thing that I love is hearing the story of how you got started in this space. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background? I love talking about uh, the background that we have. And when I say we, the other uh, very important half slash three quarters of what we do is uh, Lindsay. And Lindsay is my wife. And so uh, if you rewind the tape back really far, we go back to starting Pinch of Yum, which is a food and recipe blog. And Lindsay also is uh, talks about uh, us and life. And uh, it's not just strictly food and recipes. So there's a lot of personality with it as well. But if you rewind the tape back to April 2010, Lindsay and I uh, were working our normal jobs. I was at a nonprofit. Lindsay was a teacher. And this is one of the reasons I love telling the stories because I feel like it's relatable. We weren't people that were involved with tech. We didn't have this deep understanding of websites or marketing or anything like that. I worked at a nonprofit and Lindsay was a fourth grade teacher. And uh, we had these kind of side hustles, things that we were interested in. And for Lindsay, it was writing and food and eventually photography. And for me, it was uh, the broad thing of the internet and specifically to narrow it down a little bit, uh, businesses that run on the internet. And it actually, for me, started a lot with listening to audiobooks and listening to podcasts and starting to learn from people that were building businesses online. And at the same time, Lindsay was interested in publishing recipes online and she was getting into cooking. We had recently got married, so she got we had got, gone from cooking for one to cooking from two, which I think is a little bit more fun when you can share that with somebody. So she started uh, putting recipes on social media. And then she's like, I wonder if there's a way that I can do this a little bit more formally. And at that time, I was listening to this uh, book by a lot of people that are in the social media space, know Gary Vaynerchuk, who's just this really loud and uh, smart and polarizing figure in social media. And somebody had recommended the book. So I was listening to it. And he talks about this idea of like, hey, you can do anything you want in any niche and online, you're able to reach uh, a big group of people that you otherwise wouldn't in your small community because of the internet. And we kind of mashed up all of those things, that idea, Lindsay's interest in food and recipes and, and starting a website and my interest in online business and said, hey, let's give this a shot and see if this is, if this is true, if there's actually something that we can build here and create something around it. And so that's kind of the origin story. And that, there's obviously a lot that goes into that and a lot that happens in between. There's eight years of time, uh, but that's how we got started. I love it. And I tell everyone, everyone knows this. And I think even my husband probably recognizes the name. I am obsessed with Pinch of Yum because I love the videos, especially on Instagram. <laughs> I just scroll through For and sure. I watch them peacefully. So yeah. <laughs> I 
they're like, it really is. That's the interesting thing about food videos, isn't it? It's like it's part it's partial function of like making a recipe, but it's also partial escape of like, hey, this is fun to watch. And I like the idea of making this and it's entertaining. So it's kind of this weird in between. I think a lot of Food Network is like that as well. You know, whether it's any of those cooking uh, competition shows or uh, diners, drive-ins and dives, any of that. It's this in between of like something I'm actually interested in might actually do and just kind of fun to watch. Exactly, because I I can't execute it. So I just like to watch (laughs) them and I just sit there mesmerized thinking, I'd like to have that for dinner. And I don't. I have like something that takes three ingredients and like no skill. So I'm the same way. There's there's a uh, occasionally we have team members on Pinterview and Food Blogger Pro. They will do Instagram stories and they'll feature like what they're making. And everybody on our team is really capable in terms of uh, like developing recipes, recipes, making recipes except me and so I like when my turn comes to do the Instagram stories like the last one I did was a a cookie like a fresh cookie that I would make when I was younger which is just taking a Chips Ahoy cookie and then putting a wet paper towel on it and then microwaving it and then taking it out and then it's like it's freshly baked so that was that was my contribution to uh, Pinch of Yum's Instagram stories recipes. I saw that one and <laughs> laughed a lot because that would be my contribution, except I yeah. would probably catch something on fire in the right, process. Right. Like I'm constantly sending my husband texts. I'm like, I accidentally caught this on fire. Sorry. Yeah. And he's just like, again? I'm like, okay, sorry. Right. So, but back to pinch of yum. I know at one point, yours is one of the ones that I remember relatively early on. You started income reports. Why yeah. did you start those? Sure. So if if you go back, uh, if somebody go, if you go to Pinch of Yum, whether on your phone or on a desktop computer, and you look on the desktop, there'll be a little tab that says income. And then on your phone, you have to click out that little hamburger icon that shows you the navigation and there'll be an area that says income. And if you scroll way back, you'll see that, oof, I don't even remember, 2011 or 2012. So it was a year or two after we had started the blog, we started doing this income report. And it wasn't uh, an original idea that we had created. There's a, a handful of entrepreneurs, bloggers, business owners in this thing called transparency movement. This idea that, hey, okay, we're going to be transparent. We're going to reveal what we're doing and uh, we're going to talk about what goes into building a business. And for us, we wanted to we the original idea for it, uh, the original name for it, super original, was called the food blog money making experiment. <laughs> there was these two conversations that had happened and that I had kind of read online, where there's this one camp of people that were like, "Hey, with the internet, you can do really incredible things. Like, if you are interested in recipes and food, you can create a site and a community around that and build that up into a sustainable thing that uh, you know." pays the bills or at the very least, you know, pays kind of some of your hobbies, uh, let's say. And in the other camp, there was these people who said, hey, this is something that you if you're going to do it, you have to do it just because you love it, because there's no way whatsoever that you're going to build it into something. And so for us, it started as an experiment. And we said, hey, let's let's do this. It was way it was a way for me being immensely interested in all the intricacies that go into building a business and building a website to participate in uh, what Lindsay was doing. So it was kind of a shared thing for us. And I had zero chance of uh, participating with the uh, like recipe side of things, uh, as we've previously discussed with my uh, paper towel cookies. Uh, so it was a way for me to participate in it and for us to kind of do it together. I was really optimistic and I said, hey, I think we can do this. I think we can build it into something. Let's go through the process 
process of uh, doing this experiment. So that's strictly what it started out as was this experiment in a way for me to kind of have a role with Pinch of Yum to have us kind of have this shared thing. And the other piece with it is it was a really great way for us to stay accountable to ourselves to continually improve and uh, find things to do different. Because if I knew that I had to show up every month and say, here are the things that we're learning, here are the things that we're doing, here are the things that we're improving on, uh, it just builds in a rhythm that otherwise wouldn't exist that continues to encourage us to level up in certain ways. And we've since stopped doing those, but I really miss the challenge that those introduced uh, for me to critically look at the business each month and kind of open up the door and say, here's what things look like. Here's how we're improving. Here's some things that you, person reading this, can be aware of and, and using that as a way to continually improve the business as well. So it was a great it was a great experiment. It served us really well, but it wasn't something that we wanted to do forever. So uh, this was a year and a half ago, we published our last cl- kind of closing report. And the experiment, not just in the sense of building a business, but the experiment in learning, is this possible, was a success. And my hope from that extended period of time, many years of doing that, is that other people can go and look at it and say, okay, this was something that they did. Here's how they did it. It's going to be different now. Obviously, it's a different period in time and things work different. But seeing a little bit what goes into it and also the time associated with it. You know, when you look at those two to three pages of posts, you can look through them in about, uh, you know, 30 seconds if you're looking at the archive pages. And it's like, oh, that happened quick. But it's like three years <laughs> of showing up every day and working really hard. So my hope is that people can look at it and find some inspiration from it. That's awesome. So tell me, you branched into Food Blogger Pro. What was the impetus behind that? Food Blogger Pro is a membership site and a membership site meaning you sign up, you have a membership and you are then part of what we call the Food Blogger Pro community. And simply put, the community is a group of people in this niche, uh, this niche meaning people that are building and growing and learning how to start a food or recipe blog or, uh, you know, as we maybe will talk about, it's not just blogging, it's other things as well. Being somebody who has uh, an audience and is able to speak to people, but it's this community of people that are interested in doing that. And one of the things that we learned from the income reports is that not only are there other people that are doing this, but there's lots of people that have lots of questions that are very specific to a niche. And it's similar to uh, some of the things that you guys do with businesses or hashtag legal. Like this is now an industry that you can serve. Yours is a little bit broader. Ours is a little bit more niche in that it's like food and recipe uh, sites, but it's a tiny little niche. It's a it's a sliver of the internet, but there's thousands of people that are interested in doing it. And we started to connect with and hear from those people, actually a lot of it connecting back to the income reports. And people would ask us really specific questions like, how do I improve my food photography for soup? And it's like, you know, there's maybe some stuff out there online, but it's it's harder to find. And it's really hard to find in one central spot that's organized and that you can work through and where you're interacting with other people that understand and get what you're doing. Because I'm guessing a lot of people on this podcast can relate. Like when you go to a family event and you start talking about the struggles of the Facebook algorithm, people <laughs> either go blank or they're like, algorithm like tell me more about that like I didn't know Facebook has an algorithm and it seems so intuitive to us where we like eat sleep and breathe this type of content and this information but to other people they just don't get it and so it it gives people access to other people that um, that are in this world and have the same problems and are and are working to solve those things so that really came from food blogger pro came from 
not a brilliant idea that we had. And we're like, hey, we can create this community and thousands of people will use it. It was really from people coming to us and asking questions and, and being present to those questions and saying, okay, if we hear enough questions in this specific category, there's probably a way that we can build something that helps people to answer those questions. So that's really what how Food Blogger Pro came about. What sort of trends are you seeing right now with the type of things that people are, whether it's their struggles or just trends that you see in what's happening in blogging and what's happening in the influencer space? Naturally, what happens is that as something becomes easier and as there's uh, a dollar like an economic value attached to it, that the market becomes increasingly more competitive. So if we're talking about strictly blogging, um, I think that's one realistic trend. It's becoming a lot easier to start a blog and it's becoming more and more possible to create an income from it. And so as people see other people, as I talk about, you know, building a blog where, uh, hey, we have a team and, and we're able to create an income from it. People are like, oh, you can do that through building a blog and, you know, having a presence online. I should look into that. How do you do that? Well, here's how you do it. It's it's relatively easy to do. So people are coming into it. I think the natu- naturally what happens then is you create this base, this foundation. And, I, and a, an analogy would be with photography. You know, it became easier and easier and easier to take photographs. And so more people had digital cameras, more people were taking photographs. Photography in general just became a more popular thing. So as a photographer, like if you had a small shop in Cambridge, Minnesota, where Lindsay and I grew up, you had to start to think more strategically about what your business model looked like. And I think that shift is starting to happen now. I think it's totally possible and 100% realistic for people to start something, to build up a following and to create an income from that. I think how they do that, they need to be strategic in not exactly replicating the thing that they see somebody doing right now, but thinking strategically around, okay, let's say that this new foundation, uh, it's more common for people to have a blog, it's more common for people to have, let's say, uh, a following on Instagram or something uh, along those lines. How can I think strategically about building a business and uh, either being a part of that or being on the layer just above that? Meaning, what would it look like to uh, serve the people that are on that base level foundation? So the photography example, Maybe you are in uh, you are a photographer in Cambridge, Minnesota, and you notice that hey, a lot of the senior pictures uh, that that I've been doing are starting to go away because other people are getting photographs, you know, with their digital camera. What would it look like if I uh, started to develop a way to help these people learn how to use their digital camera, or if I started a you know a side business within my business to clean uh, digital cameras? Just thinking out loud here, <laughs> but the idea being that. If your goal is to build a business online, uh, think strategically around what that looks like. And if you feel like the market is extremely saturated in certain areas, either one, uh, be willing to show up, hustle, work a long time over an extended period of time and don't expect an, an immediate payout or If you want to shorten that a little bit, start to think strategically about how can you serve some of those people in that saturated market? It's a little bit like 201 or maybe a little bit heady or abstract. I would encourage people to always be thinking about that if they ever feel like, ah, the market's so saturated, I'm never going to be able to do what I want to do. I think clearly defining what you actually want to do, like at the core, what is it? You might think it's blogging, but in actuality, it's, you know, working from home and having some schedule flexibility. Well, 
well, be realistic in in defining that and then look at the ways that you can serve different people. Maybe it's serving the people that you originally thought you were going to be a part of. Or if you want to be a part of that group, maybe it's saying, okay, I know there's going to be a little bit more work and a little bit longer time that I need to commit to this, but be realistic about that. So refining questions about that. Any follow-up questions? I think that that is awesome advice because unfortunately I think that people tend to look at it and say I'm going to try to follow this specific formula than necessarily looking at the market and looking at the need yeah. and their interests. So I think that that's really great advice. And yep. I know that one of the things that you have done that I admire greatly is you've really looked at what your market needs and your business has grown beyond just Pinch of Yum and Food Blogger Pro, which I think yeah. many people may not realize. So can you tell us a little bit more about, uh, I want to talk about the other two pieces of your business. So tell us a little bit about NutriFox and what is it? What inspired you to start that side? Yeah. So NutriFox is, uh, it uses this thing called natural language processing. So NLP to look at a list of ingredients and say, okay, I can see that when you say um, add one tablespoon of uh, salted butter, it will parse that out and say, okay, tablespoon salted butter. And, it, and we have a database that connects to the nutrition information for that uh, individual piece of the recipe or of a list of ingredients, pulls that all out, and then it creates a nutrition label around that. Now, a nutrition label in and of itself, uh, number one, there are some food blogs that say, hey, I don't want to include nutrition information for whatever reason, which makes sense. Uh, but if you are a site that wants to include nutrition information, sometimes it can be really manual to go through and plug all of that information in, select one uh, drop-down tablespoon, uh, search for salted butter, and then go through and do that with each individual ingredient. With natural language processing, you just paste in the block of text and say analyze, and it pulls it that it pulls that information out. And then, if needed, you refine a little bit, and then you have a nutrition label that would be associated with the recipe. Now, the cool thing about that is, uh, and we can talk about this in a little bit. We have a recipe plugin for people that use a WordPress blog. Uh, it's, the recipe plugin is called Tasty Recipes, and the business is WP Tasty. You can use that nutrition label, and just using a little ID, a little number, you can copy that and put it in to the recipe card, and then that populates not only the nutrition information on your blog post, but this is, uh, this is a 201, 301 tip for people. Uh, it also takes all of that data and information, and this would be the tip and something to to mark down, kind of an SEO tip, and it communicates or translates that into schema. And schema is essentially a type of uh, structured data that Google understands. So it's saying, hey, this is nutrition information, and Google, I want you to know that this recipe has this nutrition information. Right now, it's only valuable in that it communicates calories to Google. So if you search for a recipe, sometimes calories will be displayed alongside the recipe in the search result that comes from the schema markup. But long term, there's potential, there's no guarantee, but there's potential that Google would also start to include or other uh, sites would start to include that additional information. Like maybe there's a site that wants to include, uh, you know, protein or sugars or all of that would be uh, organized in a way that the bots that crawl through a site, whether that be for Google or um, Bing, uh, would understand it. So it's a little bit technical, uh, but Nutrifox does that as well. I love it. So I want to talk about the plugins too, because you mentioned sure. WP Tasty. So tell us a little bit about the plugins that you offer. And is this something that you created just because you saw you couldn't find what you needed or you saw that your audience was looking yeah. for very specific things? 
Yep. Yeah, that's exactly how it came about. And and a huge part of it too, and this would be a takeaway that just to plant a little bug in people's ear, terrible analogy that I actually really hate the idea of a bug being in somebody's ear. Yeah. But uh, if if we're going to use that analogy, I'll use it here. But this idea of being really present to the conversations that you see your peers in the space uh, or your uh, audience, the people that you interact with having. What are the common questions or issues or struggles that you notice coming up? And for us, WP Tasty really came out of that. It was an issue we had. It was an issue other people had. And we knew that we had the potential due to where the business is at to invest some resources into fixing that issue. And the issue for us was very specific to a food blog, but it was, we had a plugin and just to zoom back a little bit. So for those, I'm guessing most people would be familiar, but WordPress is a content management system. You can think of it kind of as a car and it's the, it's like the base of, of what drives your website. It's, it's the most important piece of it along with the content obviously that you put into it. But with a content management system, it's going to be kind of like a base model of that car. And you might want to do really specific things with your website and the base model isn't going to be able to do that. So you have these plugins, which are kind of like aftermarket parts for a car uh, that you can add on and you can change how that website works or in the analogy for the car, how the car works. So you might want to put in aftermarket spree wells, which are those spinners that used to be on cars. So there's only going to be a select few people that will remember spree wells, but that was such a thing. As a kid, I remember those are the coolest things ever. But we created a, a aftermarket or a plugin, a third-party plugin for recipe cards because the one we were using wasn't being updated. It was outdated. There's some things that we wanted to do that we knew were really important for Pinch of Yum. So we, we spent thousands and thousands of dollars uh, working with a, a team to create that plugin uh, that we then use for Pinch of Yum. But the nice thing was then we were able to spin that out and offer that as a plugin uh, for other people. Now, it's a premium plugin, which means that you have to pay for it. But the interesting thing with WordPress is you're paying both for the plugin, but really what you're paying for is support because there's such a burden of support. And if you're going to do it well, uh, you want to make sure that you're able to sustain yourself over a long period of time, which we've been able to do for WP Tasty. So that's how it started. And then what we realized is, hey, there are things that we want to do specifically for Pinch of Yum. We want to have control over these things because we want to we want them to be around for a long time. We don't want it to be a you know single developer somewhere who spins something up and then travels the world and you don't hear from that person. So we wanted to create a business around it and make that really sustainable. So we started to, whenever we had a need for a pinch of yum, uh, we'd say, hey, could this be a plugin? And that's happened two other times. One is for a plugin called Tasty Pins, which allows you to optimize a, a Pinterest description for an image as well as an alt text for an image, which we can jump into. It's a little bit technical, but important thing for people to know. And then Tasty Links, which allows you to really easily link any keyword uh, within all of your site. So if you have one specific thing that you want to link and you want that to link everywhere, whether that be an affiliate link or a product or your the name of your dog, <laughs> then you can link to a specific piece of content really easily with Tasty Links. So that's the kind of the quick story with WP Tasty. WP stands for WordPress. It's for WordPress blogs and it's a plugin site. I've gotten amazing feedback on your plugins. Like I know a lot of people who are just like, yes, this finally has the features that I was looking for. And I see them mentioned in groups all the time. People are like, oh, cool. is there a plugin that does X, Y, or Z? And then I see them mentioned and I'm like, awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. And a huge, huge shout out to Raquel, Daniel, and Anne. Uh, they do uh, the groundwork for WP Tasty and just do an incredible job with it. So uh, I'm ob- obviously involved with it as well um, and have many conversations in terms of like the development of the products and like, hey, we want to, you know, develop this for Pinch of Yum in this way. But a huge shout out to them uh, and Raquel for leading that and for a lot of the customer support and Daniel for the development. So I want to make sure to get their names in. Awesome. So before we wrap up, is there any other advice that you have for those who are looking to succeed in the space kind of as it is 2018? Sure. Yeah, I think the the advice that I always come back to on podcasts and I, and I feel like people need to hear it as much as possible is this idea or this concept called 1% infinity and the concept with 1% infinity, if you break it down, we all understand one, right? So it's just the number one. We all understand percent. So it's 1%. But then there's this weird part of infinity. What does that mean? Well, if you look at infinity, the symbol, it kind of looks like this sideways eight. And so if you put it all out, it's kind of this cool, short little, you know, these short little characters, 1% infinity. It's something that I remind myself of often and remind people of often that I talk with is that the game that we are in is a long-term game. And there's something that is absolutely critical about the hustle and showing up every day and working hard and maybe at periods of time cutting sleep and you know working in the margins. But there's also something to be said about the long-term. And 1% Infinity really speaks to the long-term in a couple different ways. Number one, it says showing up every day and getting a little bit better. That's where the 1% comes from. It's not about making these massive leaps and bounds. Uh, it's not about making these improvements that, uh, you know, it's like you're a different person in two weeks uh, or you do a sprint where you're working 100 hours a week for six months. It's saying, no, I'm going to show up today and I'm going to get a little bit better. And then the other piece to it is infinity. So this idea that it's not like I'm just going to do this for a short amount of time. I'm going to develop this as a mindset where I'm showing up every day, getting a little bit better. And I'm going to view this as an eternal thing. Like it's not a, I want to in two years be doing this differently, or I want to be working full time on my blog. Maybe that would be an example. I think it's important to have those goals, but I think it's more important to have the mindset of continual improvement every day over a long period of time. And the the other piece that's important with this concept of 1% infinity is making sure that the work that you're doing is work that you actually enjoy doing, anticipate in a positive way showing up for. And that's going to allow you to more easily improve because you're interested in it and you're passionate about it. I think that's why it's so important for people to distill down what is it that I actually want and that I'm trying to do. Because I think sometimes people build a thing and work on a thing that they actually don't like in order to get to a thing that they do like. Uh, And that an example might be you might be working really hard to build a a software business because you want to be an entrepreneur. But if you are stressed out about running a software business every day and that's not an enjoyable thing, uh, that's probably not the best path to being an entrepreneur. So make sure that as you're showing up every day, as you're improving, as you are thinking about doing that over a long period of time, that it's also doing that with something that you feel like you're passionate about and interested in. And not that you'll always love what you're doing. There will be stuff that will be really hard and it will be a total pain. But if for the majority of what you're doing or the mission that you have with it, if it's something that you can line up with and feel good about and be passionate about, it's going to make it a lot easier. So I would I would encourage people in, in, a, in a sentence to think about 1% infinity and how they can integrate that into their life. I remember the first time I heard you mention that 
on your podcast. And I said this, yes, it was just like one of those sort of things that kind of clicked. And then the other piece is when you were talking about, oh, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to mess up the title, The War of Art. Go for it. Yeah. Is it The War of Art? Um, yeah. And I immediately went and read it. I'm a heavy reader. So I yes. went and I read it and I was like, oh, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> and reading about sure. the resistance. And I was just like, you know, they are... I think that they're really important concepts and it's it's important for people to know it's not just as it's not necessarily just an SEO trick or some yep. secret formula that are going to set your business ahead it's going to be mm-hmm. this constant improvement and listening and it's just really great advice. Yeah, and I think such a big piece of it is so much of it is personal as well. Like can we be can we get to a place where we feel centered in what we're doing um and not ping-ponging majorly impacted by like uh, like you said like oh there's this new trick oh, I need to do that feeling behind it's like no let's take a deep breath let's okay maybe there's this new tactic or trick or thing let's make a note of it we can research it we can follow up on it but uh, it's it's so much about staying the course and centering yourself and there will be those times that are stressful and that are overwhelming and that you need to work long days and doing stuff that you don't enjoy but there is something about just showing up consistently and being centered in what you're doing and just saying, this is what it is, and this is who I am, and this is how I will operate moving forward and continue to get it a little bit better over time. I love it. Okay. So now we're going to wrap up. And can I ask you our rapid fire questions? Love it. Let's do it. Number one, coffee or tea? Coffee. Super easy. If I'm especially excited uh, about something, I will celebrate by adding a little bit of uh, whipped half and half and honey. But I went to the dentist and I had a, this is, these are not rapid fire questions. These are long stories now. <laughs> I went to the dentist and I had a, I had to get a crown and they were like, what? I don't drink, I don't drink sugar soda. Uh, I don't drink like a lot of sugary things, but they were like, do you put anything sweet in your coffee? And I was like, yes. And, and they said, uh, you need to stop doing that. So it's only on special occasions now. And I'm like the world's most intentional flosser and <laughs> toothbrusher and like, rinsing with act fluoride i do all the things and Lindsay never does any of that and she doesn't get cavities so i, I, I won't be genetic. as long with the rest I, of those honestly, questions i think it's I, genetic i think it is too which is a bummer okay question two what's your favorite book it can be business or not business Sure. So I would I was actually going to say for this war of art and uh, would encourage people to check that out. I'm also reading a book right now that I really enjoy by a guy named Rand Fishkin, who's an SEO professional and a founder of Moz. And it's called Lost and Founder. And he's just a incredible, transparent, honest, uh, good guy. And I, I've really enjoyed the book and would recommend people check it out. What's the first thing you did to celebrate success in your business? What did you do for yourself? Yeah, I was thinking about this and uh, I'm, I feel like we do a generally bad job <laughs> of celebrating success. But if we were to do something, it would probably be uh, going out to eat. Like Lindsay and I would say, hey, let's celebrate uh, let's grab a bite to eat at one of our favorite restaurants. So uh, I can't think of a specific time that that happened, but that's what we would do uh, if we were to celebrate. Do you have a word for the year? If so, what is it? I love when people have a word for the year. I've never had it, but I've had concepts. Uh, and this year for me, it's amplify and simplify. So it's it's paring down the things that I'm doing and the stuff that I have and 
and when I get when I when I'm paring those down, the things that I do have, I want them to be better. So that could apply to like physical things. So getting rid of physical things, but making sure the things that I do have are really awesome. And it could also apply to tasks like uh, or just daily to do's, uh, simplifying those down, but making sure the things that I am doing are amplified and really important and significant. Apple or PC? I'm an Apple guy. I like to live and breathe the Apple ecosystem. But I will say that specifically with phones, there's been some stuff happening with some of the Android phones that are like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's a little bit tempting. Uh, but I think I'm just so deeply rooted in the Apple ecosystem right now that it would be hard to switch. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm not drawing the line. There's always the possibility. The door is just a crack open. Now tell everyone where they can find you. Sure. Yeah. You can check us out at uh, foodbloggerpro.com. Um, I'm not very active on social media, so that's a tough place to get a hold of me. Uh, you could drop me an email at bjork at foodbloggerpro.com. Uh, and then we're, uh, Lindsay's kind of chronicling uh, daily life over at pinchofyam.com. Uh, you can hear what we're up to, uh, see occasional blog posts uh, about our dog, Sage, who's the greatest dog in the world, and uh, follow us along over there. So I make a cameo appearance every once in a while. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, super fun to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Danielle, I'm hungry. <laughs> I hear you. I can't. There's so much food talk. I um, I need lunch now. I know. And you can use Nutrifox for the recipe that you create and find out all of the things about the food. That's so cool. I, I learned a lot from that one. That was a really, really good one. I, I really enjoyed hearing their journey um, and how they've grown. It's cool to see, to kind of get the backstory of such a successful business. I love it. So I really want to know, since we talked so much about Instagram at the start, I want to hear over in the HQ what everybody's favorite Instagram accounts are, because I always want more awesome stuff to follow, particularly if it is about cakes or cookie decorating, also fine. Maybe donuts, ice cream, whatever, sweets. So if you could let us know in the HQ, we would love to hear from you. If you're not already a member, it's businesses.com slash HQ. I'd love to see some fashion. I follow all my, your cake videos are my, <laughs> are my fashion Instagram accounts. I have so many of them. I love them. So, so we'll take cake and fashion. That feels like Jeopardy. I'll take cake and fashion for a hundred. Um, <laughs> you can cut that down. <laughs> no, don't cut that. That was awesome. <laughs> and for show notes, you can go to businesses.com slash episode 48. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, we'd love if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help new listeners find us. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at businessease.com. We'd really love to hang out with you in our Facebook group, The Businesses HQ. To join, visit businessease.com slash HQ. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, Don Jackson of the Raven Media Group, for making us sound so very good. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.